We're going to be looking at James 4, 13 through 15, as we think about living with the presence of God in my life. I'm so thankful for you and for the visitors that are with us tonight. We're glad that you have come to be with us again tonight. It's amazing the number of people in our world that have a little regard for the spiritual things. There are a lot of people that are in times of despair, in times of crisis. Uh, they will reach out to God. And I think of those who belong to the body of Christ, but because we, we understand the great blessings that come to us by knowing that God is daily working in our lives. Whether we are in good times or in bad times, He's there. And in times of duress, by all means, we have the right to reach out to God, to offer uh, our prayers to Him, to ask Him for His care and favor. It was the psalmist in the long ago who said, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Peter would say in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon Him. Why? Because He careth for you. And so we have the opportunity to look to God. Yes, in times that are not so pleasant, but I would also encourage us to live with the presence of God every day in your life. And so I want us to look at verses 13 through 15 in the fourth chapter of James, and we need to understand that there is a danger of living without the presence of God in our lives. As we think about the danger of living without the presence of God in life, what comes to my mind are the proud who will oftentimes boast about life and, and what they're going to do. And really, if you look at verse 13, that's the picture that's, that's being painted to us by James in the long ago. Listen to what he said. Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And so James here talks about the individual who is making plans. And there's nothing wrong with making plans in life, don't get me wrong. We should be making plans. As a matter of fact, I think we ought to be the kind of people who are making plans. When we talk about living in this world, then some of the things that go on in our life, it only stands the reason that we would be making out some careful plans, if you will, from time to time. I think about our young people who are going to school and I think it's very good when a young person can sit down and, and be able to map out his or her future. They have a plan and they know how to execute that plan. What James is talking about here is somebody who is making plans, but sadly it appears to me that they have left God out of their making plans. This is somewhat reminiscent of what Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 12 when Jesus set forth the parable of the rich farmer. In this parable, this man's barns were literally overflowing. Life was good. Business was booming. And so his attitude was, well, I guess I'll just pull down my barns and build bigger barns, right? And then he said, I will have a place to store my crops and goods. 
The only problem is, is that he left God out of his plans. He wasn't thinking about God. And so he was making plans. And I think about people in the business world, they, they make plans. Everyday people in the educational route, they, they make plans. And here was a man that made plans, but he just forgot to include God in his plans. And so we have talked about their plans, but now consider with me their problem. As we think about their problem, there comes the uncertainties of life. Listen again to what James said in verse 13, if you will. Go to now ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Verse 14, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. Do you know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow? No. You know what your plans are for tomorrow and what you have planned for tomorrow. But do you know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow? No. Can you even know that there will be a tomorrow? We can't even say that as well. We believe there will be a tomorrow. We have faith that there will be certain things that may transpire tomorrow or next week or next month. But when it's all said and done, we cannot say that without a doubt that the sun will rise tomorrow because we just don't know. Solomon in Proverbs 27 and verse 1 said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. All he is saying is that we just do not know what will happen tomorrow. When we think about the uncertainties of life and how life can literally turn on a dime, if you will, I'm reminded of Job in Job 3 and verse 25, who you might remember Job had had some catastrophic, catastrophic events taking place in his life. He lost his 10 children. He, he lost his wealth. He lost his health. His own wife encouraged him just to curse God and, and die. And in Job 3 and verse 25, here's what he said. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid is of come unto me. Job had probably thought about the good times. He had probably thought about the possible bad times of life. I think about us as parents and as we grow older in life that sometimes that we play out some certain scenarios in life and, and we think, well, what if? Or what if, if this was to transpire, if that were to happen? And maybe that's what Job had done in the long ago what if this or what if that? All because life can change on a dime. When we talk about the uncertainties of life, let me tell you at least three things that can occur. Number one, sickness. I don't think there's a person here that plans on getting sick. Even if it was tomorrow, if there is a tomorrow. Are you planning on getting sick? What about the sickness that you just had? that you just got over. Did you, had you made plans for that? No. I don't think we make plans for the time that we become sick. In John chapter 11, we read about Lazarus and Lazarus was from a, a town called Bethany. 
He had two sisters, Mary and Martha. And, and the Bible says in John 11:1 1, that Lazarus was sick. Sickness occurs every day here on planet Earth, does it not? It does. There are people in our world today that they will go to a physician's office this week and they will be diagnosed with an illness, some type of sickness or even disease. That's the world in which we live, the uncertainties of life. It might be you tested positive of the COVID. Heaven forbid that we even still have to worry about that. But it can happen, can't it? That's sickness. But then number two, I think about death. If you look at John 11, Jesus, of course, engages in an extended conversation with his disciples. The word reaches out to him that Lazarus is sick. And in verse 14 of that text, Jesus tells his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead. What about Hezekiah in 2 Kings 20 in verse 1 where the Bible tells us that Hezekiah was sick and near death and the prophet Isaiah who was encouraged to go to him and to tell him to set his house in order because why? For thou shalt die and not live. Number three, well, this may occur that the Lord may come back. In Matthew 24, verse 36, Jesus said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. We do not know when Jesus is coming back. Now we know that Jesus is not going to touch this earth, because we know what the scriptures teach about that. But we don't know when that's going to happen. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen tonight. Right? We don't know. But if he were to come in the morning, if he were to come early in the morning, I suspect that there will be people who will be awake, readying themselves for work. Some may be getting ready for school. And I know, of course, school is out right at this moment. Others may have some other type of plans for the day. But Jesus could come at any time. In Matthew 24, 37 through 39, Jesus compares his coming to the people who lived in the days of Noah. And he said, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the son of man be the coming of the Son of Man be. People will be going about life. They're going to be eating. They're going to be drinking. They're going to be marrying and giving in marriage. They're going to be going about doing their normal duties in life. But guess what? Those uncertainties of life, while of what we are talking about, and we talk about the danger of living without the presence of God in our life, what if we fail to make preparation what if we didn't make the plans to meet Almighty God? What if sickness was to lead to death and we're outside of Christ unfaithful or unfaithful? What if the Lord were to return and we were found unfaithful or having never obeyed the gospel? That's why it's imperative for us, each one of us, to live with the presence of God 
in our life. We notice here in the second place, to the delight of living with the presence of God in life. And this is the profound brevity of life. Listen now to what James says here in James 4 and verse 14. Here he raises this question. I want you to, to pay attention to this. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a short time, a little time, and then vanisheth away. At best, life on planet Earth is extremely brief compared to eternity, right? Now, we are conditioned to think about people who live to be 70, 80, or 90. Sometimes individuals will reach 100. Some would even surpass 100. But in the grand scheme of things, when you look at life in comparison to eternity, what is 100 years? What is 50 years? We are literally here today, gone tomorrow. Generations come, generations go. Kingdoms rising, kingdoms falling. Nations rise, nations fall. The world may continue to go on for one million years more from now. And I, I didn't mean to say more. One million years from now because it hasn't been here a million years yet. But it could go on one million years from this point. But we can be certain of one thing. People are going to live and people are going to die. There's no doubt about it. The psalmist in Psalm 90 in verse 10 said, The days or years are threescore years and ten, that is seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, that's eighty. Yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away, right? You may reach the age of 70 or even the age of 80, four score years, but it is soon cut off and then we fly away. That's just how fast life is. Here today, gone tomorrow. The older I get, the more in tune I am to the brevity of life. I promise you, it just seems like yesterday when Teresa and I got married. I was in my 20s just like yesterday when Chad and Caleb were babies. Life will get away from you so quickly, so quickly. You know, my mind says I'm still young, but my body tells me different, okay? Yeah, very much so. It's getting away from me very, very quickly. Now, here's the question though. How then should we behave in life? You know, David didn't long ago says, I have been young and now I'm old. Psalm 37, 25. Job said, man that is born of woman is a, of a few days and full of trouble. Job 14, 1. James says, it's like a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And so, again, how then should we behave in life? Well, listen to what James said, verse 15. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will... We shall live and do this or that. I don't think that this is the same trite saying here that sometimes individuals will talk about if the Lord wills, we will do this and that. What they're saying is that if it is the will of Almighty God, and I think that we live in the presence of God in life, and we understand that ultimately God is the governor of this universe. He's the one in control. 
And so my recommendation is in light of the providential goodness of God and the brevity of life. So why not use our time here on this earth wisely? It makes sense. But why should we not use our time here wisely? That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 90 and verse 12. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Paul would say in Ephesians 5 and verse 16 that we are to redeem the time. Why? We need to make wise uses of our time. Why? Because the days are evil. The days are evil. Here are just some of the opportunities and the privileges that we have to grow spiritually, that we can use our lives as a blessing to others. Here's, here's what we can do to make our lives more meaningful and to make others in this world and their lives richer. Number one, in light of this brevity of life and in light of the fact that God is still in control of the universe, as we're striving to live with the presence of God in life, I would encourage you to spend some time every day meditating on the very greatness of Almighty God. You want to be closer to God? You need to be in His Word. No doubt about it. You know, sometimes we think about God, and of course, when we talk about God being omnipotent, uh, He's all-powerful. He's omniscient, that is, He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. He's ever-present. And when you begin to read the Scriptures, don't you just stand in awe of all that God is? In Psalm 18 and verse 1, or Psalm 8 and verse 1, the psalmist in the long ago talks about the very handiwork of Almighty God. He said, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all thy earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. But notice verse 3 of that text. He says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. He goes on to say, Well, what is man? that thou art mindful of him. And the son of man, that thou visiteth him, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. Just pause and think about Almighty God in his great wisdom, creating a vast universe like this, and blessing us with the opportunity to live in this world. Just think about that. He's given us so many blessings in this life. There are a lot of great passages of Scripture that talk about the greatness of God and the goodness of God. And I would encourage us to study on a daily basis to seek out those passages that talk about the power of God and the goodness of God and the graciousness of God, to think and, and just reflect on that from time to time. I can promise you one thing, it's very humbling. I'm reminded of the words of Paul in Romans 11 and verse 33, when he said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways past finding out. The second thing that I would encourage us is to learn something new from the Word of God every day. I understand that, that there are basic truths that we know and we appreciate, and I'm grateful for those basic truths. But the beauty of this book that, that we have within our laps 
that we know and we appreciate. There's something you can learn from it that would be new to you every day. I've said it many times. I'm all the time reading the Word of God and all of a sudden I was like, wow, why hadn't I seen that before? It's right there. It's been there all along, but I didn't see it. Every time I read the Word of God, I'm learning something new that I can then pattern in my life because why? God has given it to me. It's a blessing. When you begin delving into this book, you're going to come away with a greater appreciation for the Lord and His Word. I can see why the psalmist meditated on this book day and night, according to Psalm 1-2. I can understand why the psalmist in Psalm 119-97 says, Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Jesus said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. Are we, all we are doing is exercising the privileges and the opportunities that God has given us each day here on planet earth. Very, very, very important. Another thing that we can do that will enhance our spiritual growth is to pray. Pray regularly, pray daily. You and I have the opportunity to pray about our own needs and our wants. Our struggles, our temptations, our difficulties. We can also pray for one another. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he said, pray without ceasing, right? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, spent a great deal in time in prayer to the Heavenly Father. If Jesus understood the very importance of prayer, what does that say to you and me? We should, be, uh, we should understand the importance. In Mark 1, verse 35, the Bible tells us that Jesus arose early in the morning, rising up a great while before day. He went out and departed into a solitary place, and there, guess what? He prayed. In Luke 6, and verse 12, before selecting the apostles, you know what Jesus did? He spent the night in conversation with his father, in prayer. These are blessings that we have as we talk about living with the presence of God in my life. What's going to enhance the presence of God in my life? Well, communing with Him through His Word. Spending time in prayer. And then I would suggest that we avail ourselves of the opportunity of worship. To come together upon the first day of the week and in midweek to recharge our batteries, to bow in the very presence of God, to give Him the glory and the honor and the praise that He so deserves. God is worthy of our worship and it's a great blessing that we have to be able to worship. We live in a country that affords us the opportunity to meet regularly without any kind of worries. We do not worry about being persecuted. Now the day may come that we might. Look back on those first century saints. Some of those people literally had to go underground because of the raging persecution that they faced. We had the opportunity to be together. We had the opportunity to be together on this first day of the week together here to worship Almighty God. Sometimes we find that they had to literally hide from their persecuted, their persecutors. 
but they wanted to be together. Another thing I would suggest is to be a burden bearer. There are a lot of people in our world today that are struggling. There are a lot of people in our Lord's church. They have problems. There, there are people that have what I would consider to be complex problems. But the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep, Romans 12, 15. Paul would also say in Galatians 6 and verse 2 to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Was Jesus not a burden bearer? He was. Look at his ministry. Look at the numerous people that he came into contact with on a regular basis. Notice just how he helped them physically, mentally, and most of all, spiritually. To bear their burdens. We talk about the opportunities and the blessings and the privileges that we have in this life and making the most of life. I promise you that you can be a blessing in the life of somebody if you will only take the time to do so. And then I guess we are to alleviate the needs of others. Again, there are a lot of people in our world today they don't have what we have. There are people in this community. There are people all across this country, this world that are far less privileged than we are. Now, Paul said, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them which are of the household of faith. Galatians 6.10. Did you know that we had the opportunity to help other people physically, to help other people, period? I, I'm grateful for the benevolent work of this church and for the countless number of people that this congregation has helped on a regular basis. You're, you're, you're willing to... Put your hands in your pocket and dig deep. And we've seen it. It's amazing. The number of people that have been helped by this congregation and collectively, we do that. But individually, we can do that as well. And then I would also suggest that we can evangelize. We talk about making the most of every day. Do you remember what James said? Listen again to verse 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. I want you to think about your friend might be a best friend or a co-worker, family member, classmate, that you know that's not right with God. What if sickness were to come upon them? What if there was sickness that led to death to come? What if the Lord were to come? Where would they be? Remember what Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Why are we out there evangelizing? Why are we allowing our best friend, our, our co-worker, our classmates to remain lost? Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We had the opportunity to share the gospel with other people. The church is a great mission. It's a great institution. It's a blessing to be a member of the Lord's church. It's a tremendous blessing for us to have in our hands a copy of the Bible and to know that we can tell other people about Christ and His saving work. It's amazing. And yet, what are we doing? And so I would encourage us to live with the presence of God in our lives. A lot of people in our world today, they want to live well. 
They want to live how they want to live, and they don't want anybody telling them how to live or what to do, where to go, and etc. But when the Lord comes, I'll tell you, they'll be the first ones that want to be with the Lord. They have rejected God. They have rejected the Lord. And yet when the Lord comes, they'll be the first ones to speak up and say, Lord, have mercy upon me. Might be a little too late. We need to start planning for the future now. And that might be the future of going home to heaven because we know not what shall be on the morrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. We don't know what's on the horizon. As a matter of fact, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. And so let me encourage you to live in the presence of God every day. Use the blessings and the opportunities of this life to better your life spiritually, to better the lives of others. And in so doing, God will be pleased with you. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we're so grateful for this day and for the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us that we're able to enjoy in this life. We're so thankful for the time that been as allotted to us here on planet Earth. We realize at times that we will procrastinate doing those things that we ought to do and at other times that we understand and we acknowledge that we waste time. But Father, we ask thee that you would forgive us as we repent, that you would bless us with the wisdom to number our days and to use our time here on earth wisely. Help us to live in such a way that our lives bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, can we encourage you to put that presence of God in your life by believing that Jesus is the Son of the living God? By repentance of your sins and making that good confession and being baptized into Christ. To put on Christ. Galatians 3, 26 and 27. To be added to the Lord's church, Acts 2, 47. To then be helpful to others by showing them the same way that you were shown to have salvation. Isn't that wonderful to be able to then tell others of what you did to become a Christian? The opportunity is now to make things right. The invitation of our Lord is to come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I, that is Jesus, will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. It's up to you to make that decision. Maybe you're already a child of God. You wandered away. Come back to that first love. Come back to be with God. Repent of those sins. Pray that he will forgive you. We'll pray with you and for you as well. The time is now. We're to sing a song of encouragement, number 195. The time is now. Won't you come? It's together.